0: Hello, I'm Kelsey Nixon, and this is Kitchen Prescription, the podcast you listen to when you don't know what to make for dinner. How are you doing? I feel like everyone in my orbit is kind of hanging on by a thread right now. This phrase, Sember" just really feels like it's got a lot of truth to it. Um, like, we're almost nearly approaching the finish line, but it's going to be a fight until we get to the end. <laughs> um, I saw a great meme this week that was just like a guy barely crossing the finish line. I was like, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. So and in in some weird way it feels like it's the longest month ever, but then it's so busy, I can't believe that it's already june like, it's crazy. It this month is is really just throwing me for a loop. So if you are in that headspace, like I am, hang in there. Keep going. We're almost there. And once we get there, it's summer. So, which has good things and challenging things. But, anyways, I I wanted to take a moment to send a vote of solidarity to any toddler parents out there. And for any of you that follow me on Instagram, you may know what I'm referring to. But. I have, as many of you know, I have a two-year-old daughter, Penny. I have a five-year-old daughter, Nora, and an almost 10-year-old son, Oliver. And Penny and Nora are becoming quite the co-conspirators these days, particularly when it comes to the pantry. So a couple of months ago, we had a whole incident with peanut butter. And me walking in on the girls while I had been making dinner, literally covered in peanut butter. And... There's actually, there's an Instagram reel out there if you want to go find it. But it is like your worst nightmare is mom. In Penny's hair, like her hair smelled like peanut butter for two weeks. It was crazy. And afterwards, you know, I put some stuff up higher. But the problem is Penny, my two-year-old, she doesn't get the food out. Her older sister gets it out, who's five and a half. And so you can only do so much to prevent a five and a half year old from getting something that she wants. You know what I mean? Like you can't, like a cabinet lock doesn't really, like she can figure out the cabinet lock. So that's the trouble is I've got these two sisters working together. So anyways, peanut butter was a couple months ago. Well, this week, Nora had been begging me to make cupcakes and it was Friday and I was so tired. And so I thought, you know what, we'll just do the box mix and the the pre-made frosting, whatever, fine. But then while we were making the cupcakes, Nora kept licking the batter. And I said, Nora, if you keep eating the batter, you're not going to be able to have frosting on your cupcakes. And sure enough, she continued to push the envelope and lost frosting privileges. So I took that frosting and I put it in an upper cabinet. And I said, okay, no frosting this time, maybe next time. Uh, My husband was at the baseball field with my son. I had gone upstairs to use the restroom and like fold four pieces of laundry. My brother called, but there's no way I was gone for more than 10 minutes. And the girls had a movie on. It was Friday night. I'd made popcorn. Like I, I, you know, it was a normal night. But I come down to Penelope literally slathering herself in chocolate frosting. It looked like she had just been to a mud bath. I could not believe it. I could barely pick my jaw up off the floor because this had happened before, and i had I thought there's no way this happens twice, right? It's like lightning striking more than once. I could not believe it. Oh my gosh, it was everywhere it was on my rug, it was under her fingernails it was in her hair, in her diet like it just there was so much chocolate frosting. And I was kind of in shock initially. And then you have to logistically think about how to get a sticky substance off a child. Phase one was wet wipes. Then we went to the tub. And it, ju- it just was the whole thing. And my rug will never be the same. And that's okay. I live with, I will live with young kids. So it's hard for me to be that upset at Penny. I'm mostly upset at Nora, her quote conspirator She totally got that frosting down and had herself a spoon and was going to town. So... I've got my hands full of with these girls, and I love them to death, but they are <laughs> they are good at pushing me to my limits. At least I get some good photos and videos so that when they're older and they're complaining about their own toddlers, I can remind them all of the trouble that they gave me. So anyways, to anyone out there who's dealing with crazy toddlers, and I gotta say, my mom, my mom says this to me all the time whenever. I complain about not sleeping much or tantrums, she'll say, little people, little problems, big people, big problems. So even though frosting felt like a very big problem this week, I know it's not in the grand scheme of things. So we're going we're going to make it. All right. So as we <laughs> approach that finish line of this crazy month, let's talk about a couple of really simple recipes you can throw in your meal plan this week to make things feel a bit more manageable when it comes to dinner. Okay, first is this so- Southwestern Cobb salad. Oh, you guys, this one's really really delicious. This is a Recipe Club recipe in May, and I this is one of those recipes where I was trying to re- recreate something I had at a restaurant that was just knock your socks off good. And it was all about this this dressing. It was like a sweet onion dressing. That had this smokiness in it. And so it's got like an apple cider vinegar base. It's got a little bit of sugar in there, some sweet onion. It's so yummy. And then there's some smokiness with chipotle powder. Or if you don't like chipotle, you can use smoked paprika as well. I actually did have somebody um send me a message and say, Hey, we don't do onions in our family. I think someone has an an allergy. And so I also gave a Southwestern marinade where if you don't want to do onion, you certainly don't have to. And um, as a recipe club member, it's listed in the comments on that recipe. But really delicious. We've got classic cob ingredients of bacon and chicken. And we've got corn on the cob and those um, hard-boiled eggs, which are so great. Some beans. And then, ooh, the pepper jack. Pepper jack cheese. Shredded pepper jack in a Cobb salad is my jam love it love it and make sure you guys check out my reel this week I shared about doing your bacon in the air fryer if you have an air fryer you should be making bacon in it because it gets so crispy and so delicious it's just a great great thing in fact I'm looking at this recipe and you can do your your hard-boiled eggs in the air fryer too Another thing that's great about this recipe is that the dressing is both a dressing and a marinade. So you marinate the chicken in the same dressing, and then you've separated the other that you top it with, so it works as both, which is great. Those are my favorite. So enjoy that yummy, hearty summer salad. I've been getting lots of requests for salads, and if you're gonna have a salad, you want it to be hearty enough that it can be a meal. So enjoy that one. Speaking of bacon, we're going to have our apple bacon cheddar sandwiches and I believe that I've recommended this before. There's no way I haven't because this is just one of those, I'm going to call it even a pantry recipe for us because I always have everything on hand to make it and it is always a hit with everyone in my family. It's like a grown-up grilled cheese sandwich and so There's one of my kids that I'll just do a straight grilled cheese for. Ollie loves it just the way it is. And then another one I have to completely deconstruct it for. But what's on this sandwich that makes it so darn special is some whole grain mustard, some melted cheddar cheese, bacon, that crispy bacon, and a tart apple, apple slices. So yummy. There's something about the apple, mustard, bacon, cheddar combo that is like award winning. So it is so good. If I'll have to take a look at the weather. We've been bouncing all around. I know a lot of you have. If, if it's cool, I'll probably throw some tomato soup in there with it. Um, and if not, maybe I'll do like watermelon on the side, chips and make it a little bit more summery. But we will definitely be having those sandwiches. And then I've... <laughs> this is great. I got a request for this from Ollie. Um, the chili lime tacos. So this is one of those recipes that ends up being kind of on constant rotation at our house and then we eat it so much that everyone's like okay we need a break from this (laughs) so we haven't had this in a while but in the past we have we have really (laughs) done this one a lot because it's so easy especially if you have a Trader Joe's I like if you put me outside of Trader Joe's and said Kelsey I need you to walk in and buy everything for the chili lime tacos I could close my eyes Walk through the store, put everything in the card check out, and get out of there. That's how that's how much I made this recipe. So it uses ground turkey, but you could totally use ground beef or chicken, whatever whatever you wanted. Um, it's got an onion, some garlic, the chili lime seasoning, and if you don't um, have access to Trader Joe's, there is the seasoning that is spelled t a j i n tahin, and that is very similar. And you should be able to find that at nearly any grocery store in the um, in the ethnic foods aisle. Um, some cilantro, corn tortillas. Ooh, and I love those Trader Joe's corn tortillas. They are so yummy. Um, then I always serve that with some thinly sliced cabbage, some avocado, and my pickled onions. In fact, as I was walking out of preschool today, I had some mom from her minivan flag me down and say, Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. We finally made the pickled onions and we're all obsessed with them and i was like yes i'm so glad and she said i was gonna ask you how long i can keep them in the fridge but there's no way they're gonna last and i said you got it but three weeks the last three weeks but there's no way that you'll need them that long anyways okay so there are your three recipes you've got that southwestern cob salad We have those delicious apple bacon cheddar sandwiches, the grown-up grilled cheese, and the chili lime tacos, all so simple, so delicious, and big hits around here. All right, guys, let's jump into the back half of the podcast. I'm very excited to be chatting with you today about everything you need to know about knives as a home cook. had a couple of questions come in um, over Instagram this week about knives, and I, I thought this would be a perfect platform to just kind of run through some of the basics. What knives you need to own, how to keep them sharp, all that jazz. Having a good knife is great, but if you are trying to use that great knife on a teeny tiny cutting board, you're gonna be frustrated. My guess is most people are cutting on a cutting board that is too small. (laughs) So if you are going to invest in a good knife, and you just invest in a slightly larger cutting board as well, and it doesn't have to be that expensive either. My favorite cutting boards are this brand Epicurean. They're pretty affordable. They can go in the dishwasher. They're awesome. They're awesome. All right, but we're not here to talk about cutting boards. We are here to talk about knives. Few things are as important as knowing how to slice, dice, and chop in the kitchen. I want to kind of break down some of these basics that you need. To know before you ever cut any ingredient and i want to share my best tips for getting faster and better and more confident with a sharp blade in your hand all right so let's talk about knives and knife skills why are knives so essential because my guess is if you ask most professional cooks the most important tool for you to invest in your kitchen most people are going to say a good knife it really is a building block for becoming a great cook And it's one of the first things you do anytime you make a recipe, right? It also has the ability to kind of slow down or speed up your cooking process. And so it's really worth the investment in that sense. And, um, you know, but in order for it to speed things up, you got to have confidence when you're yielding that knife. And being able to kind of use a knife efficiently and cut ingredients that are somewhat uniform in size and shape, it really is the mark of a great home cook. One of the best things you can do to kind of refine this practice is just that, practice. It's kind of an annoying piece of advice. I know, I know, practice makes perfect. But the more you use a knife, the more comfortable it will become. So I know it's very tempting to buy a couple of those gadgets on Amazon where you put half the onion, and you chop the thing down, and just learn how to, you can do it. I know you can I know you can't you're gonna have to cut other things regardless so just figure out how to cut an onion anyways that's my opinion but to each their own okay so before you cut anything we got to talk about the knife the knife the knife okay so what knives do you actually need well you need a chef's knife And what I mean by that is just a multi-purpose knife that is going to be a workhorse in the kitchen for you. It's going to do the bulk of your slicing, dicing, and chopping. And if I'm being honest, you really don't need much more than one really essential knife. And I want to talk about how I suggest finding out what that knife is for you. I would love to be able to tell you everyone should get this knife. But the honest truth is, is that you should get the knife that feels best in your hand. There are plenty of great brands out there. And if I'm being honest, what's probably even more important than the brand of knife you get is if it's sharp. Shun, Japanese knife, S-H-U-N, great brand, great company. And you're holding a $400 knife that's dull, that is not going to matter that that is a $400 knife. You are better off with a $20 knife from Walmart in your hand that is sharp. So that's how important it is to keep your knives sharp. It really is. A dull knife is dangerous, and a sharp knife is much safer. And if you've ever cut yourself, you'll know that being cut by a dull knife hurts a lot worse than being cut with a sharp knife. But we're not going to worry about that because no one's getting cut here. So my advice to you, and for years, couple, probably two years, I taught knife skills classes at Sur La Top. We would go through this whole sing, song and dance, but one of the reasons that knife skills were so great at a place like Sir or William Sonoma is that the students could come in and they could actually hold in their hands and slice and dice, you know, five, six, seven different varieties of knives and be like, oh, that Globe knife feels great in my hand." Globe is a great brand, particularly popular amongst women because they are really light. Um, I like Globe knives; they're they're great. Wusthof. Henkels, Shun, um, Kyocera is a ceramic knife. It's to- There's so many different types. So if you're able to do that, like if you're like, I want a big girl knife or a big boy knife, I'm ready to invest beyond the Cutco knife that I inherited from my mom that is so dull, and I'm going to go and get myself a good knife. I do not think you really need to spend more than between 100 and 200 dollars and i didn't really think you need to spend that much Ah, oh, you probably do it's close what's most important is that it's sharp so let's say you do have a, a good knife a well-made knife and you think you hate it check yourself and try and remember the last time that it was sharpened and instead of going to Sonoma to buy a new knife just take that knife and have them sharpen it there And that's one of the things we're gonna get into is my advice for sharpening knives. But before we do that, I just wanna mention two other knives. I don't really think many home cooks need more than three knives max. Max. So even though it can feel efficient to buy something like a knife block with all those knives in it, you don't need them. You really don't need them. I use three knives. I use my chef's knife, which for me is a Wusthof Santoku, which means it's got little divots on the blade, which means vegetables fall off of it a bit easier, and it's just the way it's shaped, Um, and I only, it's, it's really short knife. It's only a five-inch knife, and that's because I have really, really small hands. Um, I also have a seven-inch that I recently got that I quite like, but the five-inch just makes me feel like I have more control over the knife, Um, but... You probably have hands that are slightly larger than mine. So an 8-inch is a, is a really common, like, standard chef's knife, um, all-purpose knife. Um, if you have really large hands, you might be more comfortable with a 10-inch, but you just it's important to, to put it in your hand, feel it, and chop something. Um, the two other knives. A serrated knife for cutting bread and really tomatoes um, or any sort of soft-skinned vegetable. Um, and that one you really don't need to spend a ton of money on. I've got one linked here on, on Amazon that literally is $20 and it's awesome. Um, it's not a bad thing to invest in a nicer one, but for the amount of bread you're probably slicing, you probably, you probably don't need to make more of an investment. And then I do like having a small paring knife for things like holding strawberries or slicing through a lemon. I just like having a smaller knife at my disposal, Um, And same thing, that doesn't need to be crazy expensive either. So I would take your knife budget and put it into that primary knife, that chef's knife, that 8-inch, 7-inch, 5-inch, whatever it is, the knife you're going to use to cut 90% of the ingredients they're using to make your meals. Um, And there you have it. So I would focus on three knives and not get hung up on anything else. I want to talk about before you even pick up the knife. And just the importance of stabilizing your cutting board and uh, making sure it's not going to move around. So we want to make this really safe and by making it safe we also make it easier to use our knife and to slice and dice. So if you place your hand on your cutting board you shouldn't be able to slide it around. So some cutting boards have non-slip feet or like rubber on the bottom. Those are my favorite. Uh, But if yours doesn't, the easiest way to stabilize your board is to place a damp cloth or paper towel under your board to keep it from kind of slip sliding around. Um, Or I have done this, cut a portion. I actually learned this in the Food Network kitchens, but you take shelf liner, um, like that kind of foamy stuff, and you cut it to fit the exact size of your board, and you put that underneath your board, and that will prevent it from slipping as well. Um, And that's actually what I use now, for I do have a few boards that don't have the non-slip feet and that's what I'll use for that. Because if you've got a board that's moving around, not only is it dangerous because your knife could slip, it makes it so much harder. So do not, don't skip that step. And if you are, I know we're not here to talk about cutting boards, but if you are using a plastic, flimsy, I hate to say it, but i Ikea little you know what I'm talking, the real plasticky, thin cutting boards, do yourself a favor and just toss those out. I cannot think of anything worse than cutting on those. And it's, it's hard, it's hard to cut on those. So just pass those along, pass those along. So once you've stabilized the surface, you want to make sure you are using a sharp knife. It makes cutting so much easier so much easier. Now, one rule of thumb is you can take your knife and kind of r- hold a piece of paper like copy paper and run your knife through the edge of it and it should cut it or parchment paper. And if it doesn't, it's it's probably not sharp enough. So, the question I get from people is I think sharpening a knife feels really intimidating and I totally understand why. So, we're going to run through a couple of options here. First of all, A, honing steel. That might sound unfamiliar to you. Maybe it is familiar to you. It's probably something you've just seen professional chefs use in the kitchen. But what's great about a honing steel is while it doesn't sharpen your knife, it realigns the edge of your knife and keeps your knife sharper for longer. So I want you to think of like a split end on your hair and think about those split ends coming together to a point like a fresh haircut almost so a honing steel where you can easily just kind of brush your knife each side of it at about a 15 degree angle um and some people do it depending on how much you cook they do it once a week they do there are chefs that do it every single time before they begin to cook but what's great about it is you can't over hone a knife and I think a lot of people feel nervous about sharpening because they don't want to sharpen a knife too much and then ruin the edge. Honing's is a pretty safe that so you can't really do too much damage with honing, but it will make your knife feel sharper, feel sharper. So that is something you could get. If you were like a food enthusiast and you like the idea of that, I have one. It's great, totally something you could do. Now when it comes to actually sharpening knives, if you've got a really dull knife, my best advice is to take it somewhere. And I hesitate saying that because I don't think most of you are going to do it, even though I tell you to do it, because it's inconvenient. But cooking stores like Sur La Table, Williams-Sonoma, even your local hardware store, and then depending on where you live, there are dedicated knife sharpeners all over the country. That is going to give you your best results. And then a professional's doing it, and and you can feel confident. It's usually about a dollar per inch. So for my five-inch knife, it'd probably be $5 to sharpen that baby. So it can get real fancy with something called the whetstone. I don't want you to worry about that. I don't think most home cooks are doing that. And I'm in the process of testing an at-home sharpener, which I've been a little weary of because the last thing I want to do is tell you to go buy a nice knife and then have you Um, feel like you have ruined the edge of that knife. I use Wusthof knives. Those are my favorite. They feel the best in my hands. And so I did research on Wusthof sharpeners. There are certain brands of sharpeners, at-home sharpeners, that are made for certain types of knives. There are Western knives. There are Japanese knives. And you want to make sure that if you're going to invest in a sharpener, be aware of the type of knife that you are sharpening. That's a piece of advice I wanna give you. So in summary, a honing seal, great idea. Great. I think you would notice, like that's a great first step for at home sharpening, even though it's not technically sharpening. You're just refining the edge of the existing knife. You're not taking off any metal. Um, and there are plenty of YouTube videos. In fact, I'll throw a reel up this week of how to hone a knife, but it's really simple. You can't screw it up. Um, And it's just a great skill to have. So that is step one. If you've got really dull knives, take them into a store. You're gonna get the best results that way. All right, from there, you wanna make sure that you hold your knife like a pro. I've got some great videos on my site where you can watch that. Um, I just broke down how to slice, dice, and chop an onion for you on Instagram. Um, But really, ultimately, the goal in mastering basic knife skills and having a good knife is that you want to cut ingredients that are somewhat uniform in size? This is going to ensure that everything cooks evenly and is done at the same time, and it will help avoid having overcooked or undercooked ingredients in a dish. I promise you, as you begin practicing cutting and using that knife, you'll start slow, focus on a little technique. Speed comes with time and practice, and it gets more and more comfortable. And I happen to find the process very therapeutic. Like you give me a bunch of vegetables to chop while I'm listening to a podcast. Love it. Love it. Love it. Remember, you got to let that knife do the work for you, especially if it's sharp and ready to roll. You should never feel like you're forcing anything. Um, You know, get yourself set up for success and then practice, practice, practice. New episodes of our podcast drop every Thursday. In the meantime, please follow me over on Instagram. have a great time there and you know i would love to have you in recipe club uh, for five new recipes every month voted on by our club members and if your kitchen is in disarray and it needs some organizing help i would love to see you in family meal makeover that's my course that walks you through organizing and outfitting your kitchen and it's just great all right thanks again for everyone who's left a review it means so much to me it's how people find the podcast and um, really every single one means the world to me. All right, you guys, excited to chat next week. Have a good one.